Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, episode 109 of the Talk and Power podcast. I'm Nick DiCembri and I'm here with co-host Simon Gonzo Travellini. Thanks for joining us, Simon. Hey, we've got a special guest in the studio tonight. Who had to drive a lot further than me. A lot further than <laughs> A lot, lot further than me. I'm only around the corner. We've got with us Richie Howlett. Richie, thanks for joining us on the podcast. No, thank you for uh, for the invite. I know you've been saying for ages you want to get me up here and finally made it happen, so thank you. Oh, look, I'm really excited about this one, actually, and I was a bit... Oh, I, going back, I don't want to go back in time too much, but we we we, we did a show with you kind of uh, only a few months ago, and, like, we, you know, I was... not. I don't want to say in awe, but I, I like the way you conduct yourself and, and do interviews with people. We'll talk a bit about it a bit later on, but... Well, I was, I was, I've always been in awe of Richard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Growing up in Bunbury, tell us how, how did the passion for the motoring scene, how, how did it all get started? Uh, yeah, look, it's an interesting story. I never really thought about it, I suppose, but... I guess when I was when I was sixteen, I really wasn't interested in cars. And then, you know, I turned seventeen and got my driver's license. And I was on my third car by the time I was off P plates, and I'd crashed two of them already. <laughs> uh, my third car was uh, was my Gemini panel van. And you know, anybody that that knows me sort of knows of my Gemini panel van. And uh, and from there, I joined the uh, the Westgate Custom Car Club. That was uh, the club in Bunbury at the time, and and it just grew from there. I started spending way too much money on uh, on this Gemini and having way too much fun in the car, uh, along with clubs and the whole and the whole car scene, and uh, and that's where it all grew from there. I've just, you know, back in I got my license in nine eighty. And um, <laughs> there's a whole lot of people at home get the calculator out right now. Yeah, you know, I got my license a long time ago, and the whole car scene, the van scene, and everything else was was completely different to uh, to what it is now. You know, there's none of these sort of pop up stuff, and you always had to plan things. And we just had lots and lots of fun. We had some some great adventures away, and and yeah, as I say, that's 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 what got me into the car scene. Yeah. It, you know, it was an amazing time. The, like, speaking of the van scene, do you remember the van shop in Osmond Park? Well, no, I don't, because, you know, I was living in Bunbury at the yeah. time, so not coming up here all that often. But, you know, um, the, the scene was that big that, that there was a company that was dedicated just to customising vans. I was really surprised we're going to completely digress, but Max Pinjara, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the panel van state titles as a part of the show. We had something like 40 panel vans. I thought to myself, <laughs> crikey, I didn't even know there were that many panel vans. But, um, but yeah, you know, it was a, it was a great scene. Uh, annual event we would go up to Yanchip to um, Club Capricorn there and we'd all have our vans and party all night long and sleep in our vans we'd go off to uh, uh, to Atlantis the the dolphin show at Two Rocks there and get over our hangovers on a Saturday morning and then party on again Saturday night and drive home hung over to the max on a Sunday that, that was the thing though with the vans it was it was a uh, it was freedom it, it was, was freedom on wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Just off you go, and uh, and yeah, you want to sleep, then you just park up and go to sleep. 
It, it's interesting. So, so you, you mentioned there, like you talked about the West State Custom Car Club. You also not one of the inaugural members, but I think you were early on in the piece at the Perth City Street Machine Car Club. Tell us what was the club scene like in the, the sort of the late seventies and early eighties there. Well, I mean, the clubs the clubs probably got together on a on a whole on a more regular basis. I mean, like I say, I talked about um, Yanchip. That was one regular run where there would be three or four clubs getting together there. They would also do a regular run to, to Busselton. We'd stay at one of the youth camps down there between Busselton and Dunsborough. Again, there'd be three or four clubs that would get together there. Uh, we'd go to shows, uh, Williams, you know. There'd, there'd always be groups and groups of clubs, Albany. You know, there'd always be a half a dozen or so clubs go for a car show down Albany. So it was all always you know we're always just a big bunch of mates we're all involved in different clubs but we're all just mates getting together and and mm. having fun at the end yeah yeah no certainly look one of our good friends Ange Kiera he always speaks really high of you uh, highly of you Perth City Street Machine Car Club tell us I mean they, they formed motivation basically some of our well, they did. yeah um, don't don't know that tell us those early days of motivation then we see uh uh, my my dear friends Rob Woodcock and uh, and Phil Cocaine. at those uh, at, at that time uh, Phil had a Gemini panel van Woody had a uh, had an escort panel van and they were they were part of uh, well they they were they started with Panthers Van Club and then it kind of morphed into a small van association which kind of morphed into uh, Perth City Street Machine Club so uh, you know those two guys got it all together and then. Uh, and then they sat around a table and thought, well, you know, we need to uh, we need to run a, a car show. And uh, some of that started in '88, so I guess it must have been 1987. At uh, the wow, motivation. Motivation's a year yeah. older than Summonats. Yeah, bam, wow. bam, bam always tells me that. He goes, you know, we're one year older than Summonats. Yep. Yep. Um, so. Yeah, the first motivation was at the Royal Agricultural Society Hall in Cannington, which, you know, was probably only, I don't know, probably only held about 20 cars or so. I remember that because I was living in Bunbury. My mate Peter Townsend, his neighbour had a Pontiac GDO, and his neighbour said, well, Pete, you can take that up to the car show if you like. And so him and I flew, and I quite literally mean flew up to Perth in this Pontiac GDO, and, you know, had that on display for the day, and uh, and then that was a really cool day. Uh, motivation number two went to Richmond Raceway in, um, in Fremantle. Uh, Richmond Raceway at that time was a trotting track. It's gone now. The, yeah. um, the entry gate's still there. Uh, but, yeah, that was a trot track, and so... Uh, motivation number two and number three went to uh, went to Richmond, and then it went back to Cannington Central. Went to the Greyhound track for uh, um, for motivation number four. Motivation number four was probably the last car show that my that my Gem and I saw. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. So tell us how did you morph from being an entrant or a member of the club to the microphone at, at motivation? By by that time. Um, I had moved to Perth. I was working in supermarkets, so uh, I got a transfer to Perth. I was working at Coles in Belmont. And, and anyway, so I was a member of Perth City Street Machine Club, and they said to me, Rich, you talk on a microphone, you know, because I'd be the one. <laughs> Saturday morning, eight, we've got barbecue chickens for sale. <laughs> aisle six, clean up an aisle six. Aisle six, or we need a red file to aisle number seven. Red file was code for there's a really cute chick in the aisle. <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, so um, yeah, they said to me, Rich, you know, you know, you can, you know, you know how to talk on a microphone. Do you want to? Do you want to do this for the for the day? And and that was actually motivation number four. So the first show back at Cannington, I was scared poopless. I, I never left the box all day long because I was just too scared to come out of it in case people saw me. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. As it turned out, it was fortuitous because Chick Henry and Jeff Canick were at that event. They were there and promoting summer nats. And Chick said to me, do you want to come to summer nats? Or a <laughs> we'll give you time to think about it. Oh, no, 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 I want to be there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he invited me to summer nats and then that's where that all started. And, uh, and then of course I was involved with drag racing, um, crewing for my friend Peter. Oh, it is. I was going to say, Pete Townsend, Pete Townsend. It is Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend. <laughs> there you go. Pete Townsend. There's a story why we call him Ralph, but that's a different story. But um, yeah, so look, it, it all just, the, the snowball just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. Um, at, it was at a, a national meeting, 1990, I think it was, a national meeting. Um, and we had a presentation dinner at uh, the Mandra Greyhound track after the meeting and I got to talking to Stu Bond and Stu said well I, I may not be back there next season so there could be an opening so I jumped on the phone spoke to Kevin Prendergast and got myself in there served an apprenticeship calling the uh, the Sunday street meets oh wow and then uh, and then moved up into regular meetings calling most of the group three stuff and so since progressed from there my my gig at Summonats was was involved was doing radio. We had a little radio station called Radio Revhead. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. that was there, and so that's where that's where radio come from. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The snowball just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So so twenty eight years now. Twenty twenty eight years I've uh, I did with uh, with Summonats. Unfortunately, I'm not doing that gig anymore. But uh, yeah, I did 28. They didn't want to pay out your second lot of long service leave, so. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, so look, I, I guess I, I am really proud to, to say that I am the longest serving announcer at Summonats. Kerry Digney's right behind me with 27, but mm. he's no is longer it, there either. Is that Pinky? No. No, Pinky. Uh, that's Gordon Fellows. Is Pinky? No, he came along a little later. Later. Later yeah, down yeah. the track. But is he still involved or is he? No, he's gone no, as well. He's gone as well. Um, but yeah, so I'm pretty proud to say that I am the longest serving announcer at, uh, at Summonats. A while ago at, at our, the show you did with us, you spoke, um, in detail about, with Mark Happy Williams, funnily enough, mm -hmm. about, about him winning grand champion a few years yeah. ago. Yep. I don't want to preface anything here, but tell us one, one of your most favorite moments from Summonats. I, I, I get the feeling that's quite high up there. Look, that, that really is up there, um, just the whole story behind, um, behind that. Mm. Uh, I, I've got a couple of really favourite moments, oh, I've got a load of really favourite moments, really. Uh, when I received my long service award uh, down there on the burnout pad, um, I got awarded Chick Henry's long service. That was, that was really special. It was made even more special because I had a niece in the audience who was, uh, who was watching as well, and it was really cool to have her there. Uh, so that's something that, that I won't forget. Um, was it a surprise? Did you know it was coming? Or? No, I didn't know it was coming. Oh, wow. 
that would have been huge yeah yeah it was it, and it was really humbling too to um to receive that gosh can i tell you about the porn actress yeah it's Canberra we're talking about here so <laughs> and, and at that time too I mean you've got to remember this is late 80s early, well it was early 90s Canberra was the porn city porn capital of Australia <laughs> but um it was my first summer mats and and our studio was nothing more than a shipping container with windows on three sides and a door at the back right Anyway, so this, this chick rocks up a really tidy purdy, um, pink convertible Camaro, and I'm, yeah, that looks pretty cool, and off she goes. And she comes back a little while later, and there must have been thousands of guys following this car. And she gets out of the car, and she comes into the studio, her and her little entourage had a couple of guys following her. And I don't know, is this a visual thing, but she's wearing this strip of material. And she's standing at the front window of this studio, and she's going, oh, showing it all to the world. And I'm thinking, oh, for crying out loud, any minute, these blokes are just going to pick up this box and try to shake her out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just go, oh, what the hell's going on here? And then she came and sat on my knee, and we had a chat, and it turns out that her name was Sunny McKay, and she was a porn actress. You know the Bobby Hebb song, Sunny? Sunny, thank yeah. you for the... Every, well, thankfully, I don't hear that song very often, but that was like her theme song. So every time I hear it, I just burst out laughing because that's all that I can really remember. Um, so, you know, that was my first Summonats, and it was like, oh, welcome to Summonats. That was the first? That was... Wow. That was my very first. And, and, and that was in the 90s. So that would have been in 92, 93, uh, roughly. Yeah, look, Summonats 5 that yeah. was my first. So 93. Uh, actually, sorry, some of that's four. So, yeah, 92, 93. I went in 05 or 06. That's when you took your Falcon with the yeah, yeah. 500, 400 Cuba in, yeah. wasn't it? And uh, it was still fairly feral at that stage. They were trying to de-feral it, but I imagine it would have been quite feral back in those early days. Oh, look, I always said that it was the place that, A, I would never have taken my wife there. <laughs> Um, if I did there, you know, she'd be out of there before dark. <laughs> you know, fair dinkum. There would be a bus. There'd yeah. be a bus with girls hanging out the bus going, come down to come down to Fishwick, we put on the best show and everything else. All these boys would be just jumping on this bus, heading off down to Fishwick. Well, Fishwick was the... Uh, Correct was... me if I'm wrong, that, that bus had stripper poles in it. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> We're the strippers. <laughs> uh, you know, and then... Oh, Gosh, I could probably get myself into so much strife with with that. <laughs> you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. so 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 probably something should be less be what best left unsaid. But oh, look, there's lots of occasions. What, what about meeting a farm truck and Asian? Do you Tell know us about that? Uh, the only time, the only time that I have seen people waiting four hours for an autograph, the only time, other time that I've seen uh, a line that's a kilometre long waiting for an autograph was for Peter Brock. These guys were just the, the consummate professionals. Really great guys to, um, you know, when, when they're off mode, they're really great guys to talk to and, uh, and have a chat to. When they're on mode, they're just so professional and they know exactly what, uh, what they're doing. I'll tell you, uh, have you ever noticed my hat that I'm wearing with my farm truck badge? Uh, the second time they come over, the uh, the local TAFE team built a built a pickup to resemble farm truck, mm. and anyway, unfortunately, um, 
uh, farm truck put it in the wall. Oh, this was in the burnout. This was in yeah, the burnout. Yeah, 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 yeah. He put it in the wall. Anyway, me, me being a smart ass, a little later down the track, and I said, "Oh, farm truck, I've got a tip for you. Now, if you want to really do a, if you want to do a good burnout, just keep it off the wall." I thought I was being funny, but he didn't take it all that well. <laughs> <laughs> and and later on, later on, we were we were backstage in the top sixty pavilion, and I said to him, "Listen, mate, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to be." You know, I, I, I meant no offence. I'm just trying to have a joke with you. And, you know, he'd come back and he grabbed my hat and he stuck a pin on them on my hat and he says, yeah, man, it's all right. You just got me at a bad time. <laughs> you know, but, um, but those guys were, were just really great fun to work with. And, uh, and, yeah, they're just really, really nice, genuine guys. Mm. The Americans struggle with Australian sense of humour sometimes, don't they? <laughs> they just don't get it at all. No. <laughs> I don't think they understand sarcasm. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, really nice guys. Really enjoyed working with them. You spoke about Peter Brock then. Can you give us, like, which would have been some of your best interviews you've ever done? Like, you've met some pretty top-end people in Australian motoring and motorsport. Definitely, yeah. Who who would have been, like, just... Uh, Well, I mean, Peter Brock is up there, and I've been fortunate I was able to interview him twice. Mm. He he was at Sunnets a couple of years. In fact, the the last time I interviewed him was, like, the Sunnets before he, he was killed. Uh, look, he was just a just a real casual, laid back guy to talk back and to talk to, and by this time, um, our studio was just a bus. Mm-hmm. So he's sat back on the couch. He's got his feet up. He's got his publicitist going, "Pete, we gotta go. We gotta go. Yeah, yeah, we'll be right." And we just talked about all sorts of bullshit and crap. You know, there was so much shit going on in his life with with Beverly and all of that sort of stuff at the time. And I didn't want to go down that road. I just wanted to talk about, you know, having fun. What. It, What's, what's Peter Brock like? Mm, and, oh, you know, what's he like away he from the racetrack? He had a lot of fun, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did. He did. But, um, you know, the, you the know. irony of the 05 and the whole sponsorship deal is lost on a lot of people. <laughs> it was. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, he, he's certainly up there, uh, a really good one to talk to. Um, I was fortunate enough, when, when I was in my radio days, actually, uh, I got a phone call to say, Rich, um, oh, Alan Moffat's in town um, and he's coming around. We need you to do an interview. And I only had about an hour's notice. So I jumped online and, you know, grabbed out a, a whole bunch of facts. And we sat down and had a chat. And he was impressed that, hey, there was all this stuff about him on the internet. Again, remember, <laughs> the internet's fairly new at that stage. Yeah. But he was impressed there's all this stuff. And, and we had a really good chat. And then ooh, a year or so later at an all Ford day in, in Rockingham, uh, we crossed paths again. And, and he remembered me. He told me, I don't remember your name, but I remember you from the radio station in Bunbury. And, uh, and you know, we, we had a chat and everything else. And so, you know, he's up there. Gosh, Victor Bray was fun to talk to. Yeah, we've had a couple of interesting moments at some of that's there. Um, who else? Wayne Gardner. What's, what's, what's he like, like off, you know? Yeah, he was just Aussie larrikin. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, he was just laid back and uh, and, and enjoying himself. Uh, oh, I don't know this. 
So many. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can I can appreciate that. One of the things, as I mentioned earlier, like part of your craft, and one of the things I really admire about yourself is even at that show, you were able to engage with people, and even though you might not have known a hell of a lot, of, a hell of a lot about their car, you still knew enough about the subject matter to to continue on with a, a lengthy discussion. Some of those interviews that were recorded, like a good 10, 15 minutes long, and it might be just talking about a, a Gemini in particular or, or whatever it may be. Tell us, how, how, how hard is it to, to, to manage that craft or get, you know? Look, yeah, some people trying to get a few words out of them is like pulling mm. teeth. But, but what I usually find is, and especially with their cars, their cars are their passion and they love to talk about it. Yeah. And... And I'm not, I mean, I, I love the car and it's all nice and shiny and blingy and everything else. But what I really love is the story behind the car, where mm. the cars come from. Why does that person have that car? What's really special about that car to, uh, to that person? And that's what I really love to find out. And that's where people are really easy to talk, to mm. talk about that sort of thing. You know, me, I'm a mechanical dumbass. You know, and, and I'd look at an engine under a bonnet, I couldn't tell you if it's a 350 or a 327 or or what, you know. I don't know that sort of shit and I really don't care about that sort of stuff. Um, what I really like to know is, why do you have that car? Why is that car important to you? Yeah. And cars are like music. Everybody can relate a certain song to a certain time and place, be it a good memory, be it a bad memory, and cars are exactly the same. Um, you know, and when we did the Gone But Not Forgotten show, everybody had a story. Yeah. Oh, look at that statesman. I remember my grandma had one of those and she used to take me to school in it. And, you know, everybody's got a story yeah. about a car and that's what I really love to try to get out of people. That, yeah. that was a, an amazing show and um, it was amazing listening to, to you talk to, you know, the owners of so many cars there that, and listening to those stories and, and, you know, the way that you got it out of them um, just put them in that position where they felt comfortable to talk about it. I mean, my, most of those people would never have had a microphone stuck in their face. Mm. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe I just find it easy to make people feel comfortable. Again, when I was doing radio and people would be getting nervous, radio's a little easier because there's a studio and there's nobody around. But I would tell people, it's just me talking to you. And, uh, and it's the same sort of thing. I'd just tell them, it's just me talking to you. Say whatever you like. <laughs> oh, did I just say that? Sorry. <laughs> and, and that's what I try to get to him. It's just me talking to you about something that you're passionate about. Mm, yeah, yeah. One of the things you spoke about drag racing before, and one of the things that you said before, you, you, you started off in drag racing on the Sunday afternoon uh, events. Tell some people about that, because Simon and I used to go down there quite often on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we had the... The Dado, Dado at yeah. Ravenswood. Yeah. And we had a little 240, 260Z, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a, actually 280ZX. But anyway, <laughs> I'm on the right path. <laughs> you know what? I knew he was going to say that. You know, you, know, you know, the thing is, though, um, you're, it looked more like a 240 or a 260 because, it, and no one really knew this about that car, it was an ultra rare, I think there, there might be three in Australia, if that short wheelbase, yeah. because whenever you think of the 280ZX, you think of the the hairdressers one with the target top, yeah. you know, the, the T top or whatever you want to call it. Whereas that one was about um, that much shorter, right? And and how I found out was one of the doors was a bit sketchy 
and um, I bought, you know, from a wreck, I bought another door for it. And I sandblasted the door and prepped it all and put it in, you know, two-pack primer and everything, got it all ready. And I just bolted on the car just so I can square all the lines up, get all the swage lines right and lined up and everything. And I went to shut it and went, ooh. <laughs> it don't fit. It don't fit. No. So it was about yeah, about six inches in the door, oh, and, and about another six inches in the body, and that's when I realised. Well, hang on, this is. And thankfully, that car's been restored. Oh, has it? Yeah, it's back to the, these you know stupid little mirrors that went on the fenders. Oh and, yeah, yeah. It's in Adelaide in this private collection now. Oh well, okay. yeah. But um, but yeah, you know, Sundays were were just a lot of fun. Of course, they are. Uh, I guess similar. Prize to what, money was to what, good too, Stu. The prize money was good. Five hundred. If you call me Stu again, I'll punch oh, sorry. you. <laughs> sorry, 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 <laughs> because oh, I just read Stu in the notes. Sorry, um, um, but yeah, you know they, they were a lot of fun and uh, a great area to uh, to cut my teeth. And I tell you, I remember some little kid in the. Um, in the announcer's box up there too he'd be running around and every now and again he'd have a bit of a chat and his name was Nathan Prendergast oh really <laughs> but this they were great they were really great days I mean I fondly remember and that's why I've always said Sunday afternoon is something I think that the, the uh, team at the Motorplex needs to look at again well even the Fast Fridays well Fast Fridays back on I'm hearing yeah. rumours about Fast Friday being back yeah, yeah. but a Sunday afternoon um, uh, even if it's just a one eighth mile you know no lights, just come down and race and have fun. Yeah. There's so much that they could do down there. Like, um, you know, you see how big the no-prep deal is in the US. Yeah, I know. I guess it all comes down to, uh, to to people at the end of the day. You know, there's so much going on there at the moment. Do they want to burn burn the, their crew out altogether? <laughs> that would be a good start. Digressed. <laughs> yeah, Sundays at Ravens, they, they were a lot of fun. Um, um, and, yeah. um, you know, a great place to, to learn the craft and to, to learn about drag racing and how it works and, and everything else. But it wasn't just you learning the craft. There was a lot of guys on the track learning their craft. <coughs> yeah. Tassoni. Yeah. Yep. Um, yourself yep. as well. And, jeez, um, I've forgotten some of the names. But, yeah, there was, well, a, there was I a number. I started. There'd, there'd be many, many races that have come up from a Sunday hmm. uh, to go on to uh, to proper national open racing. Yeah. I started in the uh, late 80s, hmm. 89. Um, and and then I, I realised that I had to be a bit more, you know, efficient and organised to actually <laughs> make it past first round. So it wasn't until 96 that I had a good crack at it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I did the same thing. I started... On the um, technology, you gotta love it, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> I started uh, on on the um, the Sundays and the Wednesdays um, because I wanted to be prepared when I, you know, went down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pikey was really casual. I, I remember one meeting we were down there. He said to us, "Oh, if you want, I'll hang around so you can get a couple more runs." <laughs> <laughs> Cause, um, well, I mean, that was the beauty of Ravenswood, though, wasn't it? It really was just a casual, laid-back sort of place. Yeah. And, you know, we, we were never on curfews or, or anything like that. Just yeah. It would just happen. I think it, I, I, don't, I think it was just the 90s, man. <laughs> the 90s and two. <laughs> well, it could have been that as well. You know, just everyone seemed to be more relaxed. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think devices and that probably have soaked up so much of our time now that we just want to get on to the next thing that we need to do mm-hmm. 
Um, back in those days, it was like a couple of hours to get there <laughs> before you even started. Right? I don't know how we used to make it on Wednesday nights. It was. Um, I remember like four o'clock. I was out that gate. You know. <laughs> But that's how I mean. You, I think the the statement you made about devices as well. We had less distractions back then as well. You know, and, and to give up a Sunday afternoon or was this, most of Sunday really was no no big deal back then. Yeah, but it was even casual down there. On, yeah, like, yeah. You know, I don't I don't know if they'd run they'd continue to run events at the Motorplex if they had the numbers because sometimes it'd only be like fifteen cars. Yeah. Like. What was that Street Eliminator? Or I can't remember exactly what it was called, but oh, yeah, there wasn't. Yeah. The prize money was good. I remember that it was mm. five hundred for a win. Yeah. 100 bucks for runner-up, 500 for a win. And, I mean, that that's why I win. <laughs> it's the only reason I win. <laughs> Pardon the pun, but I'm going to change tact a bit here. You once wrote, 1,000 horsepower doing 22 turns on a track about the size of a football field in less than 60 seconds. Sound exciting? You bet it is. Come and check it out. That really does sum up jet boat racing quite well. When you wrote it's that, that's accurate. It's fairly accurate. <laughs> tell us, tell us a little bit about the work you do for the West Coast Jet uh, Jet Spring Club. Uh, oh, what a three, yeah, three or four years ago. Um, where, somebody, are, where are they based? Uh, down in Beldivis. Beldivis, yep. Um, where Bonnie's Water Ski Park is. Yeah, They're just yeah. at the back of that. Uh, but yeah, three or four years ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, I was at Motivation and a gentleman came up to me and said, hey, you know, we need an announcer at the Jet Sprints. Do you want to give it a go? I thought, yeah, I'd love to. And, mate, I was just blown away. It's, a, it's such an amazing, exhilarating sport. And, and, you know, what I wrote there sums it up perfectly. I mean, you know, we, we talk all the time about, uh, you know, about top fuel and just how rapidly they accelerate. Well, they do, but a Jet Sprint boat um, will accelerate nearly as quickly as, uh, as a top fuel um, a jet sprint boat can be doing 140 kilometres an hour over a, uh, you know, 150 metre straight of water with no brakes, and then do a U-turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, try doing that in a top fueler. <laughs> I, I was watching it uh, oh, a couple of weeks ago with my wife, and we actually felt ill. Mate, you actually <laughs> hop in a boat. <laughs> so I, I said to her, you know, I, I've been involved in motorsports for as long as I can remember, and and driven most things and i said to her you know what i doubt very much i would ever get in one of those <laughs> <laughs> i've actually been myself a few years ago and i loved it it was absolutely awesome a really good night out it's a good good short package as well it's not doesn't take up the whole day or all night it's i really really enjoy it those those guys i don't know how they do it the the track is so small. Yeah, I say it's it's about the size of a football field, and there's uh, and there's twenty two turns, twenty two to twenty five turns and, in, and Richie, uh, in a they, race. They go like in figure eight. I, I, like I couldn't I couldn't even remember which turn was which. You know, no, I know they got a navigator, but well, while all of that's going on, you're watching this guy's hand. Really? No, no. <laughs> seriously, you ask any of the drivers, they'll tell you that the navigator's there for ballast. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, and also, and I believe that WA is probably the only track that does it. While whilst the layout of the track is exactly the same, it doesn't change. The direction that the uh, that the races take around the track changes at every meeting, and they probably won't see that track until the Thursday prior, yeah. and then they've got to try to uh, try to learn their way yep. uh, around the track. I don't know how they do it, even now as 
as a, a commentator watching them get around, I think, oh, hang on, was that a wrong way or not? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how they do it as well. I'm always in awe of them for, for that. So, but how do you go about learning learning to call that? Because that's a, a, bi- a big change from drag racing to... to from anything. I know. And, <laughs> so how did you learn to call that? Or how did... Did they give you some pointers on how to make it exciting or did you just do that yourself? No, that's just one of those things I just call it, I, I call what's happening in, in front of me and I start with, um, you know, I start thinking of my own, I don't know, what's the word, idiosyncrasies perhaps or my own style, okay, so, you know, the Baldivis, the, the lake they race on, I, I started to call it a pond, okay, so they're out there on the pond. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know the 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 names of the islands around where they where they go. I thought, well, I've got to know where they are, so I'm try to try to name the islands um, that that they get around. There was one there's one island. It wasn't there when I first started, and they put it a little island in the middle of a strait. And a few of the racers thought, oh, that bloody island. So now I call it that bloody island. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so there's things like that. And I, I guess I'm just. You know, I'm making all these things up as as I go along. But as far as, you know, I am calling what I see in front of me. You know, um, twerking through the Sammy Oshikane or, uh, uh, you know, tight right handers, or you know, he's bounced off the he's bounced off the tires, or he's kept it on the wet stuff, or you know, he's chucked it out of the water. Um, yeah, I just make it all up as I go along. Chris Kent that I work with um, at the track. Chris is a racer with enormous experience. He's been racing for a long, long time. So he's great down in the paddock because I can ask all my questions and and get answers. And so that's how I'm learning about jet sprints all the time as well. You know, if I see something that I don't understand, I just bounce it off Chris. Chris explained to me. And at the same time, um, I believe, you know, our job as announcers is to inform, entertain and educate. So while at the same time I'm educating myself, I hope hope that I'm educating my audience a little bit as well about how these jet sprints work. Mm. Look, I must admit when I when I did my research for, for interviewing you, I actually watched one of the videos because they do a, a really great live stream. The guys at West Coast uh, Jet Sprint, the way you call it is, you would never know that you're only been you're only new in the sport for three years. Mm. It seems like you're a seasoned uh, professional, and that's why that's why I've got I had to ask you, like, how did you pick that up so quickly? But it's you do an amazing job, I must say. Well, thank you. you know, again, it's it's easy when you enjoy it, isn't it? Mm. Um, I've always said my job as an announcer is to say good things about good people doing good things, and, uh, and yeah. it's made easy because again, at, at Jet Sprints. It's exciting. They're good people. They're, it's just it's easy just to to talk about what you see happening in front of you. You know what you said about um, you know informing and educating. Um, you and Stewie as a team in the commentary box. Uh, you know, having spent thirty odd years in the sport, to me that that was the, the greatest time listening to you guys talk because it it was easy to learn about the sport. It was easy to. Um, you know, for spectators to appreciate what was going on in the track, because a lot of people just assume that it's 400 meters in a straight line. How hard could it be? Until mm-hmm. <laughs> they try it. I always, um, I've always enjoyed the dynamic between Stewie and I. Uh, you know, as you know, Stewie's very technical. He, you know, he's smart. How he remembers half the stuff he does, you know, is beyond me. But he's very technical. He's very knowledgeable. I believe that you know he can talk to a certain part of the crowd, and I'm a dumbass, so I can dumb it down 
for want of a better term, to talk to that that side of the crowd that don't quite understand the the technicalities and the intricacies of it. You know, I can still speak to them at uh, at that sort of level without confusing them too much. Mm. One of the other things too uh, is I know watching you get to the track when I've been racing, you'll go and you know one on one with most of the the races. What have you done? What's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, how's the car going? And I, I think that's um, that engagement is is really important because then when the car's on the track, it gives you that that other element that you can add because you've had that personal conversation with the the, the owner or the driver or the crew chief. Yeah, well, I think it is. It, you know, it's one thing to know about drag racing and to know about cars and what's happening on the racetrack, but you've also you've got to know the races. Um, and you know, you got to know, hey. Fred's dog's just died, so maybe his head's not right in the right spot. Um, you know, you, you've got to know what's what's going on, and there's always stuff that you can relate to. Um, you know, Fred's wife's having a birthday. There she is out there on the track. Happy birthday, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and I feel that that is every bit as important as knowing all about the cars and about drag racing as well. It's about knowing who the people are and what's going on in their worlds, you know, um, around, around it as well. And, of course, it's always nice to know what... Um, what new stuff they've done to their car and most of them play play pretty close to the chest and they don't always tell you the truth but but, you know it's also very good to know when someone goes under the indexes or the records sorry we're talking we're talking about rich i was having a chat with richie about that with zapier on the western nationals how you know it almost went unnoticed but, uh, you know, Richie and Stu are, are well and truly on top yeah, of that. Yeah, Zap had an unfortunate weekend. <laughs> I know. Red light in the first. How did that happen? Negative 002. Oh, I bet Ooh. he's still kicking. <laughs> but how Frank Taylor? Forget about 590s. Yeah. Let's just jump straight into the 580s. <laughs> no, they certainly got that thing going. Didn't they just? Um, but, yeah, you know, like I say, getting around and, talk, and talking to the races is is every much a part of about what you do mm. and and i do exactly the same at uh, at the boat racing i'll go around and chat to the racers see how they're getting on have a laugh have a joke um you know going to uh, going to burnout shows and the likes go around chat mm. to them yeah see what's going on yeah yeah i want to change gears a little bit here We've talked about your commentating and, and what you've done there. I want to talk about your promotional work and you as a promoter, uh, event promoter. Start us off a little bit with the, the Shannon's Southern Coffee Cruise uh, in Mandra. This is a sh- monthly show and you alternate between Mandra and Bunbury, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. yep. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, you know, look, um, Custom Cars and Coffee took off in, uh, in Perth at, at when I started. Um, Shannon Southern Coffee Cruise it was at Midvale and people would say to me all the time in Mandra oh gee you know it'd be a great event but it's such a long way to go I've got to go all that way somebody should do something down here (laughs) I'm not a somebody should person (laughs) (laughs) and um, and anyway so I I did an event in in must have been in November or December or whatever and and it was pretty good but I was thinking oh do I really want to do this and then I was in. I was at Summonats. Uh, it was time of the Waruna fires, and I'm thinking I'm over there, thinking, "Holy shit, this isn't good." So when I got back, I decided I'm going to run another car show, and we'll raise money for the fires. Well, that was huge. We had 
over 200 something cars and we raised nearly three four grand for uh, for the fire cause and and really that's when it all started i thought you know yeah we are onto something here so uh, so i started doing that event on a regular basis at that time some friends of mine were um, were collecting for um camp quality so i would contribute the money that i raised to uh, to camp quality i later on um I started doing it for myself for variety and anyway so we did that for a couple of years and then somebody says oh somebody should do this in Bunbury oh, okay <laughs> here we go <laughs> anyway I'm a Bunbury boy so I thought oh well let's let's give it a go so yeah. we started doing it in Bunbury and and now yeah I mean when were the Waruna fires five six years ago or so and yeah mm. we're still going strong Mandra is great I'll see I could probably see around 200 cars, give or take a little bit. Uh, Bunbury, I'd see probably around 150 or so cars. And yep. yeah, you know, yep. we, we just raised some good money for uh, for variety. And I was doing some maths, I think in the in the six years or so that we've been doing it, I raised pretty close to 40 grand. Mm. Um, yep. And they've gone to various causes, the bushfires, um, the board family. We had a really good show for the board family when yeah. uh, Anita had a crash. Yeah. Uh, there's been a couple of bushfires since that we uh, that we've donated to, and then as I say, um, um, there's some incredible cars in Bunbury too. Mm. There's, that, that there's some really cool. St- there's some really cool stuff around. Um, I know Nick was saying that you guys are heading down there in a couple of weeks mm. for their Anzac Day show. Well, it's on Monday the 26th for the Motor Museum, and I think you'll be if you're going down. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at some of the stuff that'll turn out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's a it's a bit of a mecca for some some really nice cars in Bunbury, as you said. There, um, there's one that I know of. I don't know if it's debuted or not, but it's a, a Valiant, an early Valiant with a twin turbo. Uh, LS in it. Oh no, I haven't. Radical. Seen. I haven't Radical, seen it. Like a radical, <laughs> and um, you know who it is. But I'm not going to go into it in case he's, you know, got some spectacular debut plan for it. But yeah, no, I haven't the, heard the panel on paint on this car and the finish is just ridiculous. And he intends on on racing it. That's primarily why he, he built it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many cars like that, and I mean, you just came back from. Uh, Bustleton, yeah, yeah, yep. Down south, um, I'm always amazed at the cars. Yeah, that are the um, way down there, you know, the the scene is alive and well down there. That's mm. for sure. It, it reminds me a lot of running on empty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and there's still those sort of style of cars too. Yeah, you know? Don't burn the Kev. <laughs> no, we're not quite that. We're not quite that far bush. <laughs> We're not, we're not that backwards. <laughs> we're the Gazard brothers. Yeah. We're <laughs> in Queensland anyway. Hey, Stewie, tell us a bit about... Don't no, call I'm Stewie. saying it now. You've got me saying it. That's, that's right. right. I've, been, I've been called worse, that's oh. for sure. Richie, tell us a bit about um, Max as well in Pinjarra. You do, you've done that for quite a few years now. Tell us a bit about that show as well. Ah. Uh, I, I really can't remember how how it came to be that I sort of got on board. I think Chris Dicker from Dicker Speed Shop asked yeah. me. Uh, he was involved with getting that event off the ground. He knew that I was uh, that I was around town. I'd only really only just moved to Manger at that time, and uh, yeah, so he pulled me in on board to uh, to get this event up and running, and uh, and we have. And this event was our 
twelfth year. Yeah, it was actually our eleventh event, but we had to cancel last year. But mm-hmm. you know, this year was uh, was the twelfth year of uh, of the event, and it's just something that's grown from uh, from strength to strength. And you know, it's it's something that has become a, a real part of the of the motor scene calendar. Yeah, Pinjarra is such a beautiful little town as well, mm. isn't it? It's a yeah. great little part of the world. Yeah, mm. yeah. and and it's nice that we can. That we can do this event and attract people in, mm. into uh, into the town, and you know that that event will see five six thousand people um, through the gate on the day. Yeah, Chris is a, a big car enthusiast. Has been for a very very has very been long for time. a long time. Built some amazing cars. Yeah, he has. Mm. Yes, he he's a clever guy. Yeah. Richie, tell us a bit about the the Peel Rod Run. You're working on that for next year. Tell us all looking at working on that. Tell us a little bit. Of, I, like, I really yeah. like the concept of that. Tell us a little bit about that one, if you can. You know, again, that's, it, it, it's been an idea that's been bouncing around in my head for uh, for a lot of years. And then, it, and then uh, I was having a chat to, it was actually Chris Bitmead, uh, must have been, Christmas just gone but Christmas last and and it really bought it out and I said okay look bugger it it's it's really time that uh, that I've got to get and and do this event and whilst I've never been to events like the New Zealand beach hop or the or the bright rod run this is the the kind of atmosphere that I want to try to create in uh, in Mandra you know bars and bands and cruising and and having fun it's not it's not a static car show per se it's all about getting out and about and uh, and enjoying your car for uh, for a few days and and yeah unfortunately you know I, for covid and a few other reasons i ended up cancelling the event for uh, for this year but i'll finish i'll put max to bed and i'll and i should have that sort of finished by the end of this month uh, and then i'll really sort of put my head down and uh, and start work and i really hope that i'll be able to uh, to bring the event to uh, to Mandra for uh, for next year. Yeah, but yep. it, yeah, it'd be something that you know hasn't been seen. Uh, I really don't like to be. I don't. I don't want to call it elitist, but you know, it will be a steel bumper event. But I'm going to try to find a way to integrate you know newer cars into it, probably by having a coffee cruise style event alongside it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it'll be a steel bumper event, and it'll be all about that bars, bands, cruising. And, and having a good time. They used to have one in in Queensland. Um, Cooley Rocks. That's uh, that still goes through Surface Paradise. Is that the one? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I believe that's. Uh, I think no, it's. I think there was a Cool and Gatter. Uh, I think that's around Surface Paradise Gold Coastway. I'm trying to think of it. Phil Gardner went one year. Yeah. I don't think it was. There was another one. Sun. Uh, yeah, it was the Summer Sun Festival, which, which morphed into Cooley Rocks. Ah, oh, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But that's like spread out. Like, I, I went there as a spectator one year, and it's a it's a drive to get from you know pub to pub to pub, and it's just it's surreal because it feels like um, you're in the 1950s, you know, because they have these designated parking areas, so there'll be like a a, a a beer garden and then right out the front on the verge you know there'll be a row of hot rods yep. you know what i mean like well, well my plan for um uh for the peel rod run is that there's that one-way stretch of mandra terrace where just yeah, in yeah. front of all yep. the pubs and stuff my plan is to close that to general traffic 
uh, during the evening at least. So we'll close it to general traffic. So there'll all be hot rods and cool cars parked up, plus plus hot rods cruising cruising up the strip and doing doing laps around the uh, around the strip as well. Yeah, so there's that. You know, we, we we're planning organised cruises. Friday was going to be a short cruise just down to have a look at the the Strombolite things down at. Um, um, Lake Clifton and we'll go to one of the local uh, wineries and breweries there. Saturday was another short cruise out mm. and about or a long yeah, cruise yeah, I was yeah, planning. Yeah. If people wanted to go for a longer drive we were going to take them down to Bunbury, have a look at the Motor Museum, probably out to the Heritage Park and, and then cruise back. So there was lots of cruising. Um, we're going to look at a, at, a, at a ladies event on a Sunday so the ladies can kick the guys out of the cars and take 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 the guys hot rods or maybe their own cars um you know so you know we'll be having ladies events and and just all sorts of stuff going yeah. on Mate. i don't know if i should go to this <laughs> no i'm i'm super keen oh, i'm super keen and I'll, I'll yeah i'm sure nicole will be too <laughs> and look part of, part of the reason that um that i didn't go ahead with this year's event was that you know i did have a big sponsor pull out and and whilst that was a, a really big hole in my pocket uh, well, a hole in my budget. I could have dug into my pocket and made up some of it, but not all of it. And I wouldn't have been able to put on the show that I wanted to put on. And, and this event can't be done half-assed. It's mm. got to be done right. Yep. So, so that was playing on my mind at that time. COVID was playing on my mind, and it was with the city of Mandra as well. And uh, and we sat down and we decided that you know the better way to go would be to cancel the event now turned out to be fortuitous because the weekend that I had planned for my event was the weekend that we were shut down for COVID. Oh, yes. wow. So it did, you know, it, it worked in my favour. But, you know, City of Mandra are really keen to uh, to make this happen. So, uh, yeah, we'll sit down um, in the near future and we'll work out a better plan, uh, you know. Mullaloo would be a great place to mm. do something like that yep, yep. and have a cruise from Mullaloo to from, Hillary's. Well, yeah. you see, now part of this, again, part of my original idea would, would be like a rolling car show. So we would start on the Friday in Bustleton, do stuff down there, you know, come up to Mandra on the Saturday, do stuff there, and then finish up in the northern suburbs on the Sunday. But I thought, you know, logistically that could be a nightmare trying to organise all of that. So, so then I decided to make it into... Um, into a, a one-stop event just just to have somewhere where you can just you know park them all and and then it becomes see that the problem with static car shows is if you're into cars they're, they're great as as someone that goes there pays the money at the gate walks around and goes oh yeah that's cool like okay, i did that whatever you know whether you're a builder or just an admirer but as an entrant you know it, it's more for those glass cabinet type cars. Mm-hmm. If your car's a driver, it's nice to, you know, watch people admire your car, but you want to get in there and enjoy it, you know. That's- and again, that's that was the atmosphere that I want to try to create. So over on the, um, on the western foreshore behind the Ferris wheel and where I have my coffee cruise events, I want to create that car show atmosphere. So I'll have traders, I'll have a marquee yep. with food and a bar and a band, and, and I want to create that car show atmosphere so paying spectators yep. can come in and see something. But, of course, it's always open and, uh, and hot rodders and entrants can come and go as they yeah. please and go yep. and do laps. Yeah. That, that was, you know, in the early days for me, Big Al's. That was what was great about Big Al's because there'd be just as many cool cars 
in the car park outside. You didn't even need to pay the entry to get, you know what I mean? You could just walk around and go, check this out. <laughs> Again, the, the timing of the Peel Rod Run was very deliberate. Big Al's poker run uh, is no more, and there is this kind of hole in the, in the calendar. Yeah, 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 and so yeah, that's yeah. why I, I really wanted to do this event in February was to, was to try to fill that hole where, uh, where Big Al's used to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's a shame that uh, no one's kept that tradition going, I think. To, to be yeah. fair, I think they've tried to keep the Perth Poker Run as... as, um, as We've been two years now running. It's probably not for my. I did one. There wasn't the same feel as Big Owls, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just my view, but I think they're trying. He, to he was. Um, he was like you. She was. Uh, I'm doing it again. Rich. <laughs> he was very passionate about it, and um, he he, you know, he had to put his foot down a couple of times. I was there one year, and I knew the person that was involved in the incident, and it was. Uh, you know, I think he was he was justified in what he did. Um, you know, you, you don't want to ruin the name of an event just because of one person. So mm-hmm. you, you, sometimes you need to be. Do you know, as a uh, as a promoter, that's that's really yeah, your one biggest fear, and we see it on Facebook all the time. It only takes one person, yeah. yep. one person, just to to ruin things for for everybody else that does the right thing, and and that is that's my single biggest fear is that you know somebody's going to do the wrong thing and all of a sudden I'm told to shut down my events or worse somebody gets hurt and then it's going to come out of my my pocket well yeah you know some of that's you we were both there that year when um uh things got a little bit silly Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know that was a that was a professional that was paid yeah you know so yeah it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take much but that that is my uh, my one biggest fear yeah, yeah, no. Touch wood, we haven't had that, but completely understand that. Talking of, uh, your, I want your view as a promoter. <laughs> WA, you know, just just before you go into that, you know, we, you know, when that happened with Big L's, right? His immediate response, <laughs> he was standing there. He goes, "That's it, no more Commodores." <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was standing there when it happened. Like, I was. Oh no! I gotta, I gotta say, <laughs> I actually never went to Big Al's poker run because um, I mean, a I was in Bunbury. The timing of it, right? Um, the drags were Jan- always on that weekend. January and early February, really, really crazy busy times. Okay, so I had a, a wedding anniversary at the end of January. I had a wife's birthday early, <laughs> early February, and and all of this sort of stuff. It just never happened. And and if I had a free weekend in amongst all of that time, that would be my time for birthdays and uh, and wedding anniversaries. And it invariably ended up on Big Al's poker run. So I just never never got the chance to get there. You know, you know we would go to uh whether they started at Bassendine or they started at um Birdswood Birdswood we would go there in the morning have the car on display and load up and then go to the drags make the last qualifier <laughs> <laughs> I remember you did that a few times actually <laughs> I liked the, I liked Al as a person yeah he he, he was a he was a hard man but he you, you knew where you stood with him Absolutely. you know what I mean and if you if you did the right thing he was always you know yep um, and I liked the event. You know, it takes people like yourself um, to keep this going because if everyone just talked about it and no one did anything about it, 
it would just never happen. And it doesn't take long for us to forget this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then to get it happening again, it's, you know, you look at what's going on with the drags in, in uh, South Australia now. Um, it, they're trying, they're constantly trying, but it just never seems to get going. You know what I mean? Because it's been so long since they had regular, you know, week in, week out racing there. Mm. Um, and I think uh, car events in general, whether it be cars and coffee or, or car shows like Motivation or, you know, whatever they may be. Um, yeah, if you don't have people like yourself that are committed to it, it's just not going to happen. And then if it doesn't happen for a long period of time, it gets forgotten. The whole car culture will disappear. That's, mm. you know, ultimately what... It, it is getting harder, though. You know, um, the whole pop-up pop up car show scene has, has changed everything. Uh, you know, gone are the days where people really want to be tied into a car show for uh, all day. You know, they prefer the come and go as they please type of thing. So the whole car show scene has changed but, but and th- car shows kind of have to change think, with it. I think the reason it's become like that is because, I mean, I, I haven't been to the old Pagoda Ballroom event um, for a lot of years, but I do remember going there and and even when it uh, moved to Claremont uh, originally. And the quality of the cars was, you know, like they were all... Mm-hmm. Some of that's top sixty cars, yeah. you know. Um, you know, there's some. That's why for me, I needed to go to some of that mm-hmm. uh, because that still, out of the I don't know how many how many hundred cars or thousand cars are there, that sixty in that building, you know, they are still like that. But even some of that's has changed in that. Um, you know, it used to be the go-to place for all the high-end car builders. Um, if your yeah, car... It's becoming Motor X now. Yeah. If your car did well at Summonat, you're the best in the country. But now those high-end car builders are all shooting for uh, for Motor X mm. rather than, uh, than Summonats. So, you know, things change. Yeah. I guess one of my questions was going to be, so how do we make that scene, as you as a promoter, how do you make it more viable for other promoters do we need then to shorten up shows or uh no i don't know i guess shortening up is is one thing and that's one thing that we did with max you know we we shortened it from 10 till 3 so it's only five hours but it's also about giving people more for uh, for their money you know so while they're only there for five hours let's give them plenty to see plenty to do um you know so max this year we had lawnmower racing and uh you know we had lawnmower racing plus you know we've got the dyno and then there's food and traders and everything else so at least people have got something to do for five hours they're not just sat around looking at cars um again with max we always aim it as a as a family day so we make sure that we spend a lot of money um we do we spend a shitload of money entertaining kids um and and that's all provided for free we believe that if the kids have a good time their mum and dad are having a good time as well it's for free so at least mum and dad have got a few extra bucks in their pocket mm, to go and buy the yeah. kids an ice cream yeah um so so yeah so what it's about now is is really giving people a bit more for their money yeah 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 i i think and that that's a bit of the nitro circus type uh, not the kids for free bit <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know that like bang 
yeah. kind of. But, uh, but that's the thing. If you want to give them more, it means they're going to cost more as well. And, yeah. You know, so you've got to try to find that balance yep. to, to be able to manage and still make it affordable. Max, the Max Committee is uh, is a not for profit committee. So you know, we run that we we run that show fairly close to the bone. Um, and you know, there, there's no huge profits that are that are made out of it, and that's why we keep the prices low and 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 the likes. But you know, if you're doing it for a living, then yeah, you've really got to juggle and balance those costs. You've got to try to make sure that it's still a reasonable cost, and you know, you're still covering all those costs that, that are involved. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking a question for a friend here. <laughs> he wants to know. Is the blown V8 with a blower through the bonnet the quintessential street machine? And if not, what is? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> that is an argument as old as time and memorial. What is a street machine? Um, some people would say, you know, if you can't get it licensed, it's not a street machine, and maybe, maybe there's an element of truth in that. Uh, so you may have... You may have I, a- I, I've got to stop you there, Richie. I think that if you have enough money... In this country, you can get anything licensed. Yeah, absolutely, you can. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, but yeah, so what is a street machine? If it's licensed uh, and it's got a blower through the bonnet, so you only, you might only choose to drive it once, once a month. But it doesn't mean you can't drive it. Let's let's take Xbox, okay? So there's no there's no blower through the bonnet or anything like that. That is that is engineered. That is registered. It's a street machine, hmm. so he may not choose to drive it to uh, to the shops. I think, that but if he wanted to, he could, and that's a street machine. I think that when you have to put foam blocks to stop your panels from touching each other, <laughs> then it's a display cabinet. <laughs> well, there's that. But uh, who, you know, look, it's an argument that that's that's not going to go away. Um, and yeah, you know, is is a car that's only driven. Uh, once a month any different to uh, to a daily well of course it's going to be different but mm. but it's that owner's choice not to drive that car every day so but for me it's still a street machine yeah yeah Richie we caught up uh, down in Bustleton and we had a we had a bit of a chat down there tell us you, I think you've got to be down there and see it firsthand how awesome it is to see some of those cars cruising through Bustleton yeah blown rides driving through Bustle like Mick while Mick there how awesome that is and I've seen a video you've posted from 2019 yeah, a couple of years well. back when I when I did a lap with Mick Hammond yes <laughs> Mick Hammond in uh, in wide open yeah yeah I, I will never forget that you know we're going down the main street because you know he's just belching methanol out and everybody's lining up on the side of the street they're at the pub eating their lunch or whatever and they're all eating away go <laughs> wiping their eyes but they're loving every minute of it and you know you know that it's illegal fuel in this state too it is 100% DOT approved oh, I didn't know that yeah there you go yeah. but it's it's such a unique opportunity and people talk about Alice Springs the Red Centre Nats and it's a great opportunity to go and drive but at the Red Centre Nats uh, especially with the blown cars, they are told where they can go, where they can't go, what times they, they can and the likes. And there's a real classic in that the, the street from Blatherskite that leads into town, there's a little side street and there's a caravan park where a lot of the blown guys camp. They cannot drive their blown car on that side street. They can drive right past it, but they cannot drive. And so 
it, it was just a real weird situation. But at Bustleton, they've just got a free-for-all. Yeah, yeah. They, they can drive whenever, wherever they like and, and go do whatever, do whatever they want. And, of course... Um, I was devastated that I couldn't get my car together to get to the event. I, I like, um, just would have loved to throw my family in, in the car and just drive around not having to stress out over anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hope that uh, the event continues because um, I'm, I just can't wait to get down there. I think it's just incredible, absolutely incredible. Mm, yeah, no, certainly, and I think it's a it's a it's 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 a lost opportunity for a lot of owners as well that did that had cars that didn't didn't take the opportunity to drive. Oh, you know, the, the, the convoy through. I mean, they they even go through Bunnings trade section. They drive through <laughs> there, uh, you know, drive through bottle shop, Maccas, of course. Um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really great atmosphere, uh, and the police are really cool about mm. it. Mick Jury this year, yep. uh, you know, he drove up through an RBT. They were going to wave him through. He said, "No, <laughs> mate, I want you to stop and put me on the back." Um, you know, uh, the Friday night, the Friday night. Now you got to imagine it was a beautiful, really still, crisp, yeah. clean night. Yep. You know what noise carries like? Yeah. Well, you know, a couple of the guys maybe got a little bit heavy on the foot, but the police, the police rang Clint. Said, Mate, there's a little bit of noise down here. You know, can you just ask you guys to keep it down a bit? And that was it. Yeah. Um, you know, so again, it comes down to the fact that the the blown guys are just doing the right thing. Mm. You know, they they know that there's a lot riding on it. They're having fun, and yeah, sure, they might give it a little stab and make a little bit of noise, but they're not doing anything stupid. Mm. And and that's what it all comes yeah. down to. And that's why everybody's really enjoying the enjoying yeah. the scene. Yeah, yeah, that's an awesome show. Absolutely awesome. Speaking of rides, tell us tell us. I mean, you spoke about the Gemini ride right at the start of the podcast. Tell us about some of your cars over the years. Ah, uh, look. I've, I've, aside from my Gemini panel van, I've never had anything that um, that I that I've shown. The the Gemini is the only car that I've shown. Um, probably, you know, the rest have all been pretty bland up until now. That with my CV8Z. Um, but even yeah, that, I, that's, I, that's just a stocky, but, you know, it doesn't look out of place <laughs> at a car show. I was taken aback that that was parked in the car park, considering the value of those things now. Uh, still the daily. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, Sorry, I'm locked the gate anyway. It's all good. <laughs> it, it is a daily. I drove it up to Calberry a couple of weeks I, ago. I, 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 I just can't. Car. I can't. Um, I cringe when I see cars like that on the road. Now, you know, I get guys coming to me with VF Commodores, like VFSSs and VF GDSs, and they want to tub them. And I'm like, are you are you all right? Do you, you should see a shrink. You should, do you know what these um, things are worth now? But, but no, look, my cars, I've probably never had anything really special. I had a VL Calais, which I really liked. That was, that was a gorgeous car. It was only a six-cylinder, um, but that was a gorgeous car. Um, the well, car only had... a six cylinder. That's like the mecca. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> you can a... always bolt one on. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah, had nothing else. The last car I had was uh, uh, was a VY. It was only an executive, but it had a nice body kit and hmm. and uh, eighteen inch wheels and the like. So that was nice and tidy. But no, I've never had anything that really stood out. Yeah, I, I, I really like the one. You, the, this car you got now is beautiful, CVA. And I, those... I, I like the way that the things have changed, though, in that, you know, I, I bought the VL in about 2000, and, and it had 15-inch wheels on, and I thought I was king of the kids because 15. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boy. And then, you know, it was, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so down the track, and I bought the, uh, the VY, and it had 18s on it, 
Well, they weren't big enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> now I've got the V. Now I've got the um, the Monaro, and it's got uh, it's got twenties on it, so I'm happy. <laughs> did, did you notice that over the years at summer? That's just something that I noticed. There was it was always a battle for who could get the biggest. <laughs> So I hung around with the Tempe Tire guys for a while. Yeah. And they, there was always this battle, like, 24s are out. We need to get 24s on the car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of them are going a bit stupid these days. but That, uh, that Tirana uh, was one of the ones that I thought overstepped the mark. I don't know if you remember. It had, I don't know what they were, but it looked like a, an elastic band <laughs> around a 44-gallon drum. <laughs> <laughs> and it was tubbed, and, and it was just... All rim, you couldn't see. Which Tirana was it? That was blue, remember. blue four door. That um, that brings us to to today's argument is you know big wheels on old cars mm. are they the thing? Yeah, I think the right wheel on the right car. I, I'm doing the wrong wheel probably doesn't look too good, but the right wheel is good. I'm doing something different with the XY and. Um, have you still got that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's... Um, I spent the weekend fitting airbags to the front. Okay. And uh, kits for American cars don't really fit on Australian cars. <laughs> You're a clever man, Simon. I'm sure you'll work oh, out a way to make them fit. I've got a machine shop, so anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I... You know, because we sort of see all that foo stuff where they make these custom big wheels and, you know, he's a pretty talented guy in, in, in as a designer... Um, but yeah, it is a big question mark and it's always a risky thing. And sometimes you look at it and you go, I don't know if I'm into that. Um, it's yeah. So we'll see, see whether I can nail it. But you know, look, (laughs) wheels are a subjective thing too, aren't they? I've always, uh, I watched a documentary on a sculptor uh, a few days ago whose work, his entire life work got destroyed, uh, during World War II, um, and it didn't come to light until many years after he died, you know, who he was and what he'd done and so on and so forth. And he he made this statement um, that, for me, rings true for, you know, any old school car that I've built. You need to exaggerate it. It needs to be exaggerated. That's, um, you know, so whenever he did his artwork, he would always try to exaggerate the human form, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I see something like a muscle car... I want it to look like it's on steroids, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want, I want the, I want the rake. I want the big tires, you know. Um, and and it's different looks that appeal to different people. That's Absolutely. what appeals to me. Um, I also dig the touring car, the 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 big banger, you know, the A nine X. Green's tough, yeah. True blue with the big flares, yeah. you know. I, I dig that look. I think done right, that's a a cool look, and it and it's Australian to me. That's that's a really Australian. Cool. But you know. I think that that's that's the beautiful part about the the sport that that we're involved individualism. in. Individualism, the individualism. Yeah, it, it is an art, and you can get two people with exactly the same car with completely different yep. ideas and and turn out mm. you know two yeah, completely yeah. different cars. And you know, if it's not your cup of tea, then fine. It's not your cup of yeah, tea. Yeah. But you, you know, as long as you can appreciate the work that's gone into it. Or, and, or and that's to it. the thing. Like as a fabricator, when I see you know, and, and it doesn't need to be a well-polished car. It, it just needs to be something that I can look at and go, wow, that's really smart what they've done there, or that's mm-hmm. really innovative. What I really hate I, and I loathe is seeing the same crap over and over mm-hmm. and over. 
<laughs> and and unfortunately, what makes it so easy to build cars now also creates that problem because yeah. when there's a, a kit that you just bolt on, that individualism just goes out the window. Yeah. It, it just, you know. And it's, it's one of those things that um, uh, in Western Australia, you know, in, in the early days of drag racing, of course, if you wanted to, um, if, if you wanted your car to go quicker, you couldn't just pick no. up the phone or get it off the internet. So you had to find a way, you had to make a way. Yeah. So, you know, West Australian racers were innovators. And you, and you, you needed to know people and be on good terms with and, them. And look, to a certain extent, you know, racers still are. But of course, nowadays, it's just too easy to look yeah. it up on the internet. There it is, bang, 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 make a phone call and you've got it there in, uh, in a couple of days. So some of that innovation is, is going. And it's the same with hot rodding and street machining and, and things like that. It, uh, I, I remember in my, in my early days, um, Luigi from Luigi's Heads. Luigi that, Coombs? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's where, you know, like he was the cylinder head guy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you kind of needed to know him. You had to be introduced through someone. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was true, true. And uh, yeah. same with um, Chris Dimoff. Yeah. Because he, he used to uh, work from the back of his mum's um, mm -hmm. uh, house. Um, and, yeah, it was the same thing. Someone had to introduce you, like, you know, Oh, look, I know Chris. I'll we'll go around there one night. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but now it's all you just jump online, <laughs> PayPal. Yeah, you know you can order a, a like four and a half thousand horsepower engine if you yeah. want. Yeah, <laughs> you know we're, we're fortunate here in WA that there are still some very very clever builders that are turning out some yeah, amazing definitely. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Richard. Look, I just want to finish off with. A statement that you made on social media once and I this sums up where we're at what we we're just talking about actually you wrote on social media I've always believed when it comes to wanting goods and services you should always look for those who support the things that you like to do mm -hmm. and give them first opportunity for your business if you have a friend in business try to support their business not because you want mate rates but because you value and trust their skills and experience and want them to help them grow their business and support their family. There are a number of companies supplying goods and services in WA that are built on that. We won't name them here, but it makes our scene such a great one. And I think that was, when I read that, I said, that is what here at the podcast we're trying to promote as well. Like, you know, I thought that was really... Um, and I look for for me on a personal level. Okay, when I was selling radio, people who were who were buying radio commercials were paying my wage. Mm. So it's only fair that if I needed something, I'd go and see them. And, and as I said, not because I want a, a mate's rate, but because they're supporting me, so I want to support them. We look around at all of these sponsors that support um, events like like Max Pinjara, who support all sorts of things through drag racing and the likes. And I really do feel that, you know, if we weren't buying product from them, then they wouldn't be putting back into the, uh, into the sport. And, you know, we've all seen it. Uh, you know, you go to Kmart, you're paying for, for some executive's holiday home, yeah. where if you're buying from Simon, you're, you're put, putting Simon's kids into a play group and putting dinner, dinner on the table. And for me, that that's more important. Mm. Um, you know... I think the big you know, thing too, if, if you... If you use local people, um, you know, you, you, I mean, look, anyone that I've done business with, uh, ultimately, we become mates and 
you know, you, you really try and help them out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, for me, it's important that the the um, sport grows. Um, you know, obviously for the business, but because I'm passionate about it too. I mean, you know, you you know yourself. You've heard the stories from the races where. You know, we we went race back to Gons as he met us there. We worked through the night and mm-hmm. got it, you know, got it sorted. But um, yeah, I, I've always tried to support local businesses. Um, when before I was involved in 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 that side of it, just as a racer, um, because I think that we we should all be like a, a big family. Yeah, you absolutely. Um, and, and you know, look, they, they, they've got to be given the first option. If they can't help you with with what you're looking for, well, you know, so be yeah. it. But you know, they've got to be given that uh, that first choice. Um, you know, don't don't let price be the mm. be the deciding factor. I mean, hopefully they'll be within cooey of what you're yep. hoping to pay, uh, without being redonkulously overpriced. But um, yeah, you know, they've always got to have your have your first choice because yeah, if they're not around, they're not supporting the things, and then all of a sudden you can't go there because. Yeah because nobody's there doing it you know you know sometimes there's a stigma this is what i found um that it's better from over east or that it's better from overseas and it's funny sometimes we'll be packaging something to send to america or to send to uh, victoria or new south wales or queensland and people will be really taken aback by that Mm -hmm. that why would a company from america buy you know a piece of equipment from a company in Malaga or you know what I mean um, but I guess they probably think the same way over there yeah <laughs> it's better from Australia get it yeah get an Australian one it's better oh, yeah, just <laughs> probably close to the home my, my, my wife operates a cosmetic tattoo business and for a while there we had a shop in Mandra and we had a shop in Alfred Cove in Perth and a third of our client base were, would come from Mandra why Oh, because you're in Perth. It has to be better if we're going to Perth. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. They wouldn't come and see us in Mandra. It's crazy. No, they'd go to Perth to uh, to see us. And true. and yeah, always always shop shop local first. Perception, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is perception. Richie, where can we find information about your shows that you you promote? Can you, website or Facebook? Face, Facebook's probably the best one. Southern Coffee Cruise is always on Facebook. I don't have a, uh, a website for that. Um, Peel Rod Run, I do have a website for that. Yep. And keep your eye across that. I've also got a Facebook page. Uh, so keep your eye across that. And as news develops over the next few months, we'll be keeping you posted. You're going to let us know in advance so I can book a hotel and stuff. Absolutely, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I will. And, and Richie does a deal with one of the local hotels, so. which, which was quite literally crawling distance across the road from mm. where the venue was. Can so. you organise babysitters? Uh, I can see what I can do there. <laughs> I've organised babysitters for the cars. See what the the whole area that we're going to be doing it in would be fenced. Uh, it would be lit, and I would have twenty four hour security. So at least if you had a couple too many and you didn't want to drive, at least you could go home, and you know you could leave your car there, and it would be as secure as we could possibly make it. So we're looking after that. I'll have to work on the kids thing. Though. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's Peel Rod Run. You can check that out. Max Pinjara is just Max Pinjara. Yep. Um, yeah, but most mostly Facebook is uh, is probably the place to go. No, no worries. Richie, really appreciate your time tonight coming in here, driving all the way up from Mandra. I know it's a decent, well, decent it's not drive. all the way. But it's a, a, a huge commitment from yourself to come up here tonight, and uh, we really appreciate your time and coming up here. 
Mate, it's been fun. It's been fun here just to sit and chat and shoot the breeze, so to speak. No, I knew. I knew. I've enjoyed it. Thank I, you. I was really looking forward to it myself, yeah, actually. Yeah, so. same. And I know Simon was as well. Todd's uh, an apology for tonight. He's not able to make it. But, yeah, hey, we really appreciate your time, Richie, and we look forward to catching up with you either down at a track or at an event. We'll, we'll see you soon, no doubt. I'll be quite positive that we'll uh, we'll cross paths again. <laughs> definitely. Maybe we'll need to talk on a more regular basis about what's happening in, with jet sprinting uh, yeah, definitely, as, as yes. we head to the next season. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have you on as uh, on a as a regular if we can we'll do it via phone or via Love Skype to. or uh, Zoom or one of those technologies that we have as long as I don't need to get in one of those things oh Simon you'd love it no, you know, no you know, I'd be violently ill I, I say it all the time uh, when we're down there and we're talking about it's called the ride of your life it's for, for no strange reason <laughs> I have I've bungee jumped I've skydived I've done aerobatic flying I've driven a V8 supercar I've driven sprint cars um, oh, you know all of this stuff I, I've, I've done a lot nothing compares nothing compares to uh, um, to being in a jet sprint now you know you've drag raced you'd know what sort of forward and back G's Mate, are like I, but, I told but you. when you have <laughs> lateral G's throwing you sideways and you're in the passenger seat there's no Oh. You're just hanging on to your belts. <laughs> I felt ill watching. There was a camera mounted on one of the boats, and, and they played the whole... Because the race is, is relatively quick. Yeah, yeah, around uh, 50 so, to 60 seconds. Yeah, so they, they, they showed the same race a few times from a few different angles, but they had this one angle from inside, and I, my wife and I just... Yeah, we were ill. Seriously, it like those guys must be physically um, up there with like fighter pilots because the way those things change direction, mm. I've never seen anything like that before. Like an electrocuted budgie, I describe it. Oh, I've, see, we've machined bits and pieces for them. Mm -hmm. We've done little bits jobs. Um, Ivan Safranak actually races one over east somewhere. He's sponsored over there. That's that's why he he, he does it over there. Um, so I know the concept of them. I understand how they, they work. I've seen those big 500 cube small blocks um, that they run because Jeff obviously builds a lot of them. We do a lot of work for them. And um, I never in my wildest dreams imagined that it would be so violent. <laughs> it, it just, you know, yeah. I, I, has anyone ever clocked the G's in them? Because they must be. Not that I'm aware of, but I'll have to ask that question. But they, yeah, they'd, they'd they be must pretty be incredible. ridiculous. They, you know, like the, the things change directions. It's what was that that TV series with the the Lamborghini, the computer generated Lamborghini. Computer. Yeah, yeah, he was like a detective or something. Uh -huh. um, but oh, the, actually, there was another one that the um, that was a game. They got sucked into a computer game and they, they did these ninety degree turns. <laughs> okay, that's what it reminds me of. Anyway, guns never say never, mate. <laughs> No, nah, never say nah, that's, never. That's not something that I ever, you know. I'd, I'd probably be interested in in uh, campaigning one as long as someone else drove it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. Thanks, Richie. Really appreciate it. Episode one and nine of the Talk and Power podcast. Uh, thanks for coming in, and thanks, Simon. Thanks for joining us once again. Thanks. thanks. All right. Take care. <laughs> See Cheers. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.